mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diane. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling feverish. Ooh. And I've chosen that word because today we are meeting two guests, not one. Mm. And when they unite and collaborate and come together, mm. there's often this incredible whirl of frenetic energy and creativity and actually groundbreaking uh, artwork that is, is created. Mm. And our two guests are both artists. One is best known for songwriting and music and singing and that kind of side of creativity. And the other is best known for writing, but predominantly painting. And when they come together, they, for the past 30 years, they've created this kind of, what I almost see like as a kind of time capsule, that if you look back on it, you're going to be able to see like the politics of our time, what it felt like to be alive, you know, at the turn of the century into the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really meaningful. That might sound a bit sort of grand, but it's actually true because the work they've created together for the whole Radiohead project, which has been now 30 years, 30 million albums sold, like it's been this kind of global sensation, but it's actually deeply artistic project, which is why we would like to welcome them on Talk Art. So today we're here at the Standard London and we would like to welcome... Tom York and, and Stanley Donwood. <laughs> Hello. <Jesus. laughs> it's like a game show. I thought you were talking about someone else. <laughs> How are you guys doing? All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where have you come from today? You, you, you live in Oxfordshire, right? Uh-huh. I've been stuck on the West Way, so I'm like winding down after that. Yes, of course. Traffic. <laughs> and you, Stanley, you're in Brighton. I'm, yeah, on the coast, yes. How was your trip in? It was just, you know, a train. But I haven't been for a swim this morning, so... Um, oh, tough. I'm all... Tough gig. You know, I had to get up a bit early, you know? Do you swim a lot? I, I live in Margate, so I swim in the sea yeah. most days. Yeah, I like it, yeah. yeah. It's getting a bit cold. Yeah. It Have you is. got a wetsuit? No. <laughs> Oxford, <laughs> Oxford is the furthest place to, from the sea in the whole country, apparently. Is it? Yeah. So Why? you definitely don't go swimming in the sea? He went on swimming on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I did that. In a river. In a river. In a river in Oxford? Yeah. How was that? That was a bit rough. Couldn't feel my feet for like an hour and a half afterwards. <laughs> I ran back. Anyway, it's a long story. <laughs> so when when was the last time you two saw each other? The oh, other yeah. day. Yes. Um, we sing each other far day. too much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're bezers, right? You're best mates and you have been since art school. It's a purely professional it's, relationship. It's a, yeah. It's, <laughs> can't stand yes. the government. Technically <laughs> speaking, we have known each other for a while, yes. 
And we are here today because you currently have an exhibition at Christie's in London of paintings of artwork from the Radiohead albums over the past 30 years. And you two have been collaborating for the whole time, pretty much since the Benz, I think. Is mm. that correct? And also you have a new book coming out, and well, two books coming out, actually. And then also a digital exhibition. You have like a whole array of artistic endeavours which are happening over the next month and a half. There's too many prongs for one fork. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but if we start with the exhibition in London, yeah. can you talk a bit about how that came well, to fruition? It's based around the Kid A and Amnesiac era. Because, well, uh, I'll try and do this in one paragraph. Basically, we got approached by the V&A to do something and we sort of didn't really want to do a retrospective retrospective because it was a bit meh. Mm. Um, and I'd always had, always had a small obsession about the way we had to close up the Kid A amnesiac period and how a lot of what happened... <clears throat> a lot of the madness of finally having our own studio and our own workplace and our own painting studio and all this stuff, um, we generated in a frenzy all this material and it kind of got lost mm. or it got used but not really. Everything got, was reduced down to a compact disc and a 12 centimetre square jewel case. Yeah. Which is you know, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we yeah uh we talked to the vna about that and then we realized and what we wanted to do is use the, the audio with it and we wanted to do it like a, a sort of like an installation and then that couldn't that didn't work so uh and in the process of, of scratching our heads trying to figure out what to do with this material we were also going through the material and kind of shocked about yeah. where we were at around that time as well yes i don't recognize that lunatic. Yeah. Me. <laughs> and I don't recognise myself either in that period. No. The, yeah, notebooks especially. Well, actually, everything. The sketches. Yeah. Is, yeah, anyway. Because you've hung on to everything. You've archived everything. You have multiple notebooks. Archive is a grand word for... Yeah, for uh, not knowing yeah. where the hell anything is. Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right. It's all there, though. I mean, it, <laughs> I might, it might not be you know, alphabetised, but it's all there. just wasn't thrown away. Um, we, we, ha we had to get it sort of put into shape by um, a friend of ours, Christine... Um, because we, we couldn't, um, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, then we moved on. We we, we uh, couldn't do it in the V&A because what we were thinking in our heads, we didn't, didn't have a space available. Then we wanted to build a space. Then we couldn't do that. Then we went to the Albert Hall. We wanted to build a space there. We got shut down. It was going to be great. It though. was going to be brilliant. Oh, wow. We were going to build a big tower of red blocks out of shipping um, containers. Out of shipping containers. And then it all went um, basically tits up when uh, English Heritage heard about it. I, I thought think. it was Westminster Council. Oh, it's all the same. They said, they said it was like a giant advert for Radiohead. Yeah. To which it was like, <laughs> what do you think? The Albert Hall is a giant monument to the royal family. So. Anyway, um, and then uh, just at the point of despondency when we sort of gave up, um, lockdown occurred and everything sort of went into 3D space anyway. Mm. Uh, friends of mine in the fashion industry were, were going 3D and the the way we were designing the space, we were using 3D programs anyway with our friend Sean in New York and we just sort of thought, well, shit, we'll just do it virtually. And then it became something super exciting, mm. well, which you will see. Reality was removed. Yeah, we thought, well, there's no point in making it into a real boring art gallery. We'll do something else. So we have been doing 
and you'll see that in a bit. Mm. But that's exciting what's come out of the pandemic is that culture didn't stand still, it, it adapted. Now, what you've done, what you're creating now, what you're going on to now, probably would never have existed if we hadn't gone through what we've all just been through the last yes. few months. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we both agree that right now it, it's, it's quite painful to watch everything go back so fast yeah. mm. because I think we learned a lot. Yeah. And, and now we're trying to, unfor- um, trying to forget it, unlearn it. Yeah. yeah, go back to normality, yeah. Or what was normality. Yeah, I mean, it's just little things like shaking hands. That's a weird thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. When you haven't done it for ages, you think, why Why do we do that? Why that and not anything else? Why is that what humans do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, well, humans in this culture anyway. Yes, yes. So. Yeah, but the, yeah, it was, it was definitely something that it kind of grew far beyond the parameters it would have had if it had existed as a... But the, the, as a real physical space. But the fun thing about it was it was like all informed by the work. So we said like no new work, mm. no new work, no new work. But we, these spaces evolved out of um, a combination of the music and artwork and, mm. you know. It was all there already. The weird thing. It, it became... to pick up a piece of paper and like, why don't we try that? Yeah, it was. It's almost as as time went on and this sort of developed. It was, it was as if we'd made all this material twenty years too early because it just was. That was what it was for. Yeah, in a way, it was. It was. It was. Seen. It was for this. No, to be to be to, to be, be created into yeah. an actual space. Mm. <laughs> this is going to sound daft until you see it. Um, yeah, because yeah, this, is, this is actually a digital space as well, isn't it? Yeah. And it's going to come out in November at some point and there'll be lots more details revealed, which yes. we can't reveal yet. But yeah. um, but it's going to essentially be on Mac and PC and through Sony PlayStation, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. that's the only way that this um, software works. You know, so um, that's why we went. But it's yeah. everything. It's all of your lyrics and drawings and work yeah. It's, and, yeah. it's it's everything but not in a way that like in no way would you call it a library um in no way would you <laughs> no, <laughs> be able to sort of stand that. there and reference oh i'll just go and look at this but you know i mean there is yeah i'm not I'm resisting the temptation to explain the rooms to you because if i do that then i'm giving it away well, your, your, your manager earlier showed me a quick um sort of two minute video and it looks like super immersive kind of like um, I've always seen the whole Radiohead project in a way, including um, Stanley Donwood's artwork um, on the sleeves, as being this giant artwork, a bit like some kind of um, Gesamtkunstwerk or something like that mm. big word, which kind yeah. of means including all different elements yeah. of creativity, not just one art form. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I think, looking back, it's so clear that that's what it is, from the from the words you know that you mm. sing to the, the sounds. Like, I remember when, if you think on the albums you're talking about, like, um, everything in its right place, mm. I remember listening to that on loop when I was about 20 years old and almost feeling like I was levitating because that itself becomes visual like that the audio became visual for me and it kind of you know surrounds you um in a way that other music doesn't and I was that something that you guys have always been sort of aware of in your collaboration together to try and use visual art to take the music somewhere else to elevate it I guess I mean the first thing we did was you know, well, but before we'd done anything, any artwork ever, was go into the big HMV or whatever it was in Oxford High Street and just look, because at that time it was mostly vinyl. Mm. And so there was just a wall of 12-inch squares of artwork. It was, you know, the most democratic art gallery conceivable. 
because all of the art is equal. Its its prominence is due to how many units the record is wrapped round. Or how it's alphabetized, dies down. Yeah. So it was just like we looked at this big wall of pictures and right, okay, we've got to beat them. And so yeah. it's like that was the first thing. It's like you know, get get people to pick it up. But you yeah. know, the, the, I think it's a it's a kind of almost like an art school sensibility to treat we a did, project. We did drive um, a whole. We did drive um, when we were at art school. We did drive one particular guy who um, I don't know what we were supposed to be doing, but it ended up being these heated debates about where art should be shown um, in in you know in the, the ni- late nineteen eighties, early nineties. And whether, you know, the, the 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 idea of a gallery space was a bit like, well, who's who's benefiting from the gallery gallery space, yeah. and you know, the, the democratization of art um, in the commercial sense. Um, and we were always banging on about um, how art should be on the high street. I should be available for everybody. Art's on the buses going past here. Unfortunately, yes. it it's vlogging shit you don't want, but. Um, there's this big, big area. Um, anyway, back to your question. Your question was about the sort of link between the visual and the music side of it. For me, that's always been um, uh, a necessary part of what happens with 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 the sound and, and music. For me, is that sense uh, that there's a visual element to it in this and i don't mean visual as in um illustrative of a visual i mean the sort of sounds that we tend to pick and the sort of uh, the approach that we had in the recording studio is one of like i'm looking for that kind of stimulation like when when everything is right place for example uh went through a whole series of um, smashing ahead against walls, going nowhere until uh, plugging in um, an old Prophet synthesizer and this sound coming out of it and after months and months and going, that, that's it, that's it. You know, and within a couple of hours, the basic sort of track was done. We tried loads of stuff on top, but we went back to this core thing because it was so strong. Um, it had such a key, like, color to it i mean i was seeing it as like this frosty red color um and it was it it's to me more similar to mm, mm, painting than it is to um composing or recording or or like oh go and if you just go and sit in the booth over there and play your acoustic guitar um and we'll you know put some stuff on top thanks very much it was like that particular song is like uh, I didn't have the words until I had that sound on the synthesizer, for example. I only had like a, a few phrases, and mm. and so it's that thing. Like so, when I watch, when I was watching Dan, um, Mr. Donald over here exploring painting again, when we finally got our own space. Mm. That I, the similarities between like you just throw some stuff on a canvas and you wipe out what doesn't work and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going until you find you find a color or you find a tone and you find a key mm. and then you form stuff around that key it, they're, they're just the same to me mm. it's the same method 
because it's very immersive. And what when we were working in the studio, so everyone is in the same space. Yeah. And so when, you know, exactly as Tom was saying, it's, they're kind of just sort of putting stuff up, wiping it away, putting more stuff up, wiping it away, and it and there's traces of it always, all the time. You can see what was there before because it's a very organic process. But that's the music side of it because the art side of it, you had a self-imposed rule that you would never erase. You can't undo. Because oh, no, that was, um, that was OK Computer. That was OK Computer. So yeah. Before that, you that were... Was because that was purely digital. And there was a new thing called like uh, Apple Z or Undo or whatever, so you could un- you could literally undo what you just did, which mm. was kind of a big cheat. So that was a self-imposed rule. With with Kid A, it was a, a it was a, a different matter. That was because we'd done all that digitally with with um with well we didn't know it was going to be called Kid A till the very last moment. But um, oh, I'd love to know about that story then of how you were both struggling and then you sort of stuck everything up on the kitchen fridge and huh. had a mad moment. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I found all those. <clears throat> I found all the bits of paper. What were the, the dodgy titles? With the dodgy titles and <clears throat> the bad fonts and everything. Yeah, no. <laughs> I saw I put them right. in a safe place. Yeah, thank you. Well, what, what happened? So you were both struggling to find the cover art and the and title. The, the, everything. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, deadlines do these things to yeah. you. You know, you've you're, you're, you got a sweat. I mean, we were up to like four in the morning one night. And yeah. Like mad panic. Because we, just... we, we had to finish it, you know. Finally, after what, a year and a half the, of you know, self-indulgent yeah. madness. And they gave you a date. They said, this is the date it needs to be ready by. You were I, getting that put on you, that pressure. It was self-imposed, but we didn't want to let anybody down, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just it kind of, I don't know, I think we were going mad. Mm. But yeah, so we kind of just um, we just stuck everything onto the, sellotaped everything to the fridges and the and these are sketches and that you painted. They were like printed out, print, right? Possible covers for this record. What we have been doing for the last two years. Yeah, because we'd gone in so many different directions, mm. you could just blink and spin around and just choose one, and, and it would mean something completely different. Mm. Um, it was what we hadn't. What we've never done, in fact, well, I, th- I don't think, maybe mm, maybe the eraser, but I don't really think so. What we've never really done is started with a cover. It just doesn't happen. Anyway, no. there we were. The eraser was the last thing that I carved out of Lino as well. And yeah. that, that was supposed to be a kind of nuclear power, no thanks idea to start with. That's right, yeah. It's completely different. You start uh, one place and you end up... Always yes. somewhere completely different. Yeah, um, and Kiday, the title Kiday was just a file name of 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 some some MIDI file that I had, um, and I don't know why it was called that. Um, this is what sort of what we're talking about. It illustrates the sort of like I think really the act, the act of creating, the act of generating material, and accepting the fact that you don't understand that material at the time. Yeah. So you you generate a volume of work, and then you have to you exactly like with 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 working on music, you don't know what it is until someone tells you what it is, or until you've had a period of time to look at it and let it speak to you again, mm. right? So mm. it's like a two stage process. So like very random things will come in and speak to you after you've done them, and you don't know why. That works. That doesn't. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of sense that emerges after you've finished, because at the at the time of doing it, 
you're simultaneously trying to do something that's that you know is ephemeral. It's just paper that's wrapped around a, a plastic disc. But the the sort of ephemeral nature of of the physicality of it is kind of in your head battling with the fact you're trying to make kind of art. Well, I, is, you know, with a with a big A. Maybe so it maybe I, it's still lowercase, but it's massive. Massive. Yeah. Well, I'd make the assumption that it would free you up, knowing that it's not for an exhibition; it is for the album art. But I guess there's more pressure. Is there? Uh, for that? No. It's it's really it's. I guess we come. We have always come to it a little bit backwards. I mean, like. Uh, the normal, uh, the normal experience that people have when they're working on a record is that like someone will come in at the end um, and, you know, say, oh, what about this? And they have a selection on the table and that's it. You know, and sometimes that really works. You know, Sonic Youth of, you know, Gerhard Richter, they've used, they've had great covers. Mike Kelly, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes that works, but, um, uh, I went to art school and um, I met Mr. Donwood there and it never... <laughs> but at the same time, I was always really resistant to think of it as in terms of art. Yeah. Because, um, partly because, um, especially at that time, we had a, a penchant for self-annihilation and anything that we were doing. So no change with that. Yeah, not really. <laughs> So, 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 we, OK Computer had been very, very successful uh, and we literally scratched that together because we had to um, and the record company were like super nervous about us being in charge of it all but it, but it was incredibly fun to have all that support and like, the, you know, be doing big billboards um, up the... M4 um, off the Westway saying, you know, Gucci screaming little piggy, whatever, things like that. And then they said yes, you know, things like that. But it's still, it wasn't, no, that's art. It's all commercial. It's just, this is not art. This is something we, we're feeding a commercial monster. So we can sort of negate, we can sort of dismiss it to some extent. It's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. And then when it got to Kid A and Muzak and sort of, piecing it all together still the sort of defense mechanism was there like i don't know is this art and then afterwards when when we were putting it together and it was going out into the world and 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 uh mr don was was being asked to like oh we need an ever here or we need this here and suddenly you were putting that stuff back into the world and seeing it in magazines like these weird cartoons and stuff mm. and 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 i was realizing oh maybe this is art Maybe this is art. I mean, it, it sort of hid from me personally. I was hiding behind the, the idea. It was like, oh, we're just generating stuff to put on a cover. Oh. Yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. And then at some point, I'm like, okay, it's more than that. Yeah. Well, it was never an afterthought, was it? That's the thing, I think, for, the, for everyone listening, is that you came to the decision that you would be in the studio, Stanley, at the same time as the music was being made. So there was, and you would hear the songs being recorded. So then you were able to work while you was listening to the music. So there is this harmony that comes together of like, as pictures and words go together as harmonious in real life. Well, it's a lot easier to make pictures if the music's already made made them for you. You've just got to find out what they look like and then do that. Yeah. Mm. And that that's the difficult bit is, but that, 
you know, because um, the band are making the music, that's difficult. So you're all doing the difficult bit together. And then you sort of get to a point where it's you've figured something out and it's, I don't know, there's a sort of moment of, of like a, of a reaching a plateau and going, oh, my God, I can stop feeling so ghastly and I can relax a bit. There was an awful lot of self-doubt going oh, on. Oh, man, yeah, I it's mean, horrible. It, going through all the stuff that we wrote during that period, <sighs> it was extraordinary that we got even got out of bed. It's excruciating, frankly. yeah. It's yeah. just... <laughs> the level of self-doubt is... Kind, you know, you've just done a, you know... OK Computer had been really successful. But it was a defence... Like I said, I guess, it was a yeah. defence mechanism. It was a way of, like, what you're trying to do is second-guess yeah. making a mistake. So you're like, OK, I'm going to destroy this before it happens, just in case... What, uh, self-sabotage? Constant yeah. self-sabotage of everything you're doing. Hence the two-stage process. So it's like you can't possibly, like, do something, see it through to the end, go, wow, I'm brilliant, great, move on. It was like, do nice something. Nice that would have been. It. What? That would have been <laughs> nice. <laughs> who do, who oh, actually does that though and makes good work, fair. makes exactly. good art? That's I mean, that's... Yeah, it's the same in any... Yeah. But what I liked is that you would make the visuals and then you would come in and you'd fuck them up and then you would then come in and fuck what he's Absolutely. done up. Absolutely, And it would yeah. end up being a battle for who wins the painting yeah. in the end. And oh, no. it, well, yes, except that, you know, uh, it was always... Um, <laughs> Uh, only one of us has any patience or commitment to what they're doing, and that's not me. <laughs> but you would throw it around the room, well, right? No, yeah, my patience and commitment is much more to, to twiddling with knobs on a synthesizer. Well, to be stuff. fair, he has got to go away and make the music, you know. Yeah, so I've, yeah. you know, when he's doing that, I sneak back. So it was exactly and then work over what Tom's yeah, been doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd flit, I'd flit in in a fitting way. Grab yeah. a paintbrush. Go, what about this? <laughs> no, 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 no. Was there any ego with that? Was that was that tough to begin with? Because you're like, hang on a minute, stay in your lane. No, I kind of like it because it's. I I mean, I think we we're, we're sort of like two. We're quite opposite in the way that we approach making marks. I think because although I try to be uh, a kind of uh, expressive, abandoned sort of uh, emotionally driven uh, mark maker. <laughs> uh, I do tend to end up cross-hatching quite a lot. So, you know, I, I do need a kind of... Uh, That's a, your default, is to cross-hatch. Yeah, yeah. really detailed. So I do need a maniac to come in every now and again. But you would have a pseudonym as Dr. Chock. So the works that you've got... You've oh, we have lots on. So you have lots of... Well, pseudonym, like pseudonym. Stanley, yeah. your, your Sunday real painters name is Dan. always my favourite. Yeah. The, the Sunday painters. Sunday painters, pure. I liked, I liked <laughs> one of the best ones we had was End Games Envisioned yeah. by Dumb Computers. That was the best yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the, you come that's up with that title. That's the most title. catchy one. Yeah. You come up with that title <laughs> together. No, that was totally him. I think that was... <laughs> what about we were we were Zachariah Wildwood and Donald Twain once? Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Although good. I I always wanted which one was I? You wanted to be Zachariah, but we both wanted to be Zachariah. Nobody wanted to be Donald. Yeah. This was of course before Donald. 
these are the conversations yeah, the we have over email. Yeah. The thing I love about your connection is that um, you guys met each other when you were really young and like still forming your whole universes creatively, but you've sort of stuck together. Oh. And it's quite an unusual thing. And I think for we have a lot of younger listeners, like younger artists all over the world. And I always say to them, like, your peer group and the people you actually, you know, grew up with. Um, at least at art school and stuff like that, can be really um, sort of a really great thing to hold on to. It's not always like you need to sort of become successful and then you'll work with the big music video director or then you'll work with a great graphic designer or, yeah. you know, well, do it all properly. Well, it's like actually create something new. I me, To be but, fair, he's done that as well. Okay, yeah. You know, he has. Me, <laughs> to, to me, like, I, I, I am, if I'm totally honest with myself, leave me to my own devices, I just get lost. Mm. Like... I'm a collaborator. I have to collaborate. Um, you know, I have essentially the attention span of an insect, and which is why you know I can go into the painting studio, pick up the paintbrush, and go. What about this? Um, it's something you know, um, and then walk away because I can't see it through. <laughs> right. This is the point. I can't see it through. I can musically, mm. but I vastly prefer doing that with other people. When I get feedback, so that I, I, because I'm not very sure of myself, mm. so that kind of feedback can make you stop going around in circles and be sure of yourself and take a direction and move forward. You know, so uh, I, I've always been like that. But I also secretly think that anybody who says that that um, uh, the creative process is this solo tortured process. Mm is is kind of lying you know it doesn't really matter who it is you could even someone like edvard munch you can you can say well yes maybe he worked on his own but he was very influenced by the people around him mm. um you know everybody everybody has somebody they go to to ask what does this mean what do you think mm. blah 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 everybody does unless it's someone like henry darger but they're, oh, they're, yeah, they're like, like self taught. All right, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. They're, but, you know, they're yeah. not happy people. Yeah, all right, fair enough. You know, but that's that's a a kind of what do you call it? Like some a mental state that you're in. If someone like him, but yeah, I agree with you. I can't, I can't work alone. Well, I I can obviously, but it's I, I'm always saying, what, what about this? Is this any good? Because I can't. I can't tell. Yeah, I, I, you have to be, when you work alone, you have to be both the, the audience and the creator. And, and that's, that is difficult to do. It means you have to, to, to be able to put stuff on the wall or put stuff on a tape or listen to it and yeah. figure out where am I at with this? I don't know where I am. It's, it's a long process when you do it on your own, mm. you know? So this thing when artists say, I make the work for myself, that isn't the case for you. You're always considering an audience. No, it's not about it's not about considering the audience in the sense of pleasing them. Yeah. It's 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 like having someone to help you uh, uh, reflect, to have a mirror so you can see what it looks like in the mirror. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, no, I don't. If, if we were doing this to please people, we'd have gone probably another hour. <laughs> I could give yeah. you a list of names, but anyway, yeah. So you guys met at. Exeter University, but yeah. prior before that, you was a fire eater. Fire. <laughs> no, that was after. I took that up after because right. there's a you know there's this sort of revolving door between art college and the Dole, and it's um I was on on uh, income support for a, 
what felt like a considerable period of time. So I took up a uh, busking to augment my income. So yeah, that was busking, fire eating. Yeah, right. Yeah. But out, out of bu- busking, you could have done many things. How come you chose fire um, eating? That's quite dramatic. It's much easier than any okay. sort of music. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you still do it? I wouldn't, but I probably st- could do it. Yeah, I know, I know how to do it, but it's not very good for you. Yeah, I think your partner would have something to say. Yeah, she does not. I'm yeah, not, not the fire not today. Not today. after that. But no. then you wanted to you wanted to support when your band was called Headless Chickens. This is oh. before. Oh, no, that was that was that was, that was yeah. That was they were band. called on a Friday. So I turned up in Oxford with my mate because we were hitchhiking with with the fire breathing because we were two two man fire breathing duo fire breathers. Yeah, because yeah. when you make two jets of fire together. You make something that looks more like a kind of fiery mushroom cloud in the sky. It's Five very baby. impressive. See, that's that's a collaboration again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we turned up in in uh, Oxford, and and there was a poster up on a Friday. I'm like, that, that's my mate from uni. Oh wow, he's in that band. So we, don't know, phone box, phoned up. That's right. Like that. Slept on our floors. Slept on your floor. Went to, on the floor. Went to the show. The dirty floor. The dirty floor with yeah, where Colin was doing English lessons or something. That's right. Yes. Anyway, yeah, yeah, long time ago. <laughs> but then you weren't allowed the job to. Work. Well, it was a stupid idea. You can't do fire breathing indoors. It's really dangerous. <laughs> so, and you know. Tom, you, you were actually making artwork yourself back then, and and I, I heard that you were really interested in the Mac computer, like, you know, back then. And you did something called When I Grow Up in 1991. Wow. And I was looking at yeah. like these stills of it, and because it, apparently it's actually been lost as an artwork now because the format it was on kind of disintegrated or something. Uh, so, it's uh, a little bit more, yeah. Well, it's a little bit more convoluted. I mean, I. I did all this work and it got basically um, I went through sort of every department at art school Mm. and didn't do very well until I sort of got to video. Uh, I was really into video, but I could never get all the cameras. So I would do a lot of editing. I got really into chopping things up. And then um, the graphics department was next door and they just arrived. All these Apple Macs arrived one day. I was like, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm in on that. So I, I sort of broke into the graphics department. Wow. And then um, I was only working in there. And then uh, I inadvertently took up half their hard disk space. <laughs> Which wasn't much. <laughs> it wasn't much. And arrived at the beginning of my final year to discover all my work had been wiped. So uh, and that's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> Last time that's happened either. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So I... I I ended up. It was weird. I ended up working on uh, on computers uh, and writing my thesis on on where I thought computers would relate to art and all this sort of stuff. So it's yeah. We was early into computers. Yeah, uh, my argument. Yeah, I, but then they um, it was frowned upon, and the fine art department was was told after I left that they couldn't use the really graphics. Oh God, I didn't know that. Wow. Oh. Because it's so different. Well, yeah. they're yeah. kind of still. I mean, NFTs is happening, but there is a kind of frowning upon from like the analog side of the art yeah. world. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna spend an hour talking about NFTs. <laughs> that is a whole hour. Yeah, but um, yeah. See, the the, the 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 essence of the the where I got to with my thesis was like, well, the entire art establishment is based on this concept of an original artifact. Yeah. If you remove that. You cannot add value to it. Therefore, 
what's going to happen to it and we're still there yeah. yeah you know pulling off your hair and putting it in a box with the uh, with a usb drive doesn't really cut it to mm. me mm. anyway you know there's always been this sense as well within your work that there's a kind of dystopian world but also a utopian world and there's i heard you mention the word portent and this idea of kind of like an omen of some kind but for me it's kind of a mix between the two because it doesn't it's not like a good omen or a bad omen i feel like there's there's kind of all all sides of life within your work but can you talk a bit about that idea of like utopia or dystopia well we there was a lot of that going around when we were doing that artwork you know 20 odd years ago wasn't there mm. It was, the millennium was coming up. Mm. Yes, it was. And, and as with all millennium events, there's, there's a lot of panic, really. Yes. And, I, I, you know, I, I didn't realise this, but at the time, we were, you know, there was the, the millennium bug and the idea of the rapture. All these things were the, the hardcore evangelical thinking was reaching a sort of frenzied crescendo. And and if this happened in the year one thousand as well, which is like I had no idea. And and you know, of course, there were there was the, they were building the dome. This there were, there were all these things to mark this kind of arbitrary but monumental moment. That was you know. So it was it you know the ideas of utopia and dystopia are are completely entwined. We were also completely obsessed with. Um genetically modified things yeah because that was a, that was new then it was it's kind of hard to remember that all of this was new and our ways of finding out out about it had just it had just become the internet yeah that was new mm, as a way yeah. to find out about stuff you know it had existed for you know four, four or five years before but around the year 2000 it had suddenly become like barclays were on the internet you could you could there was the what you're banking. I remember the moment I was like Barclays. Barclays are on the internet. Oh, it's fucked, man. This is going to be a nightmare because it was a utopian ideal that the internet was going to be this this transformational um, medium in yeah. in human existence, like you know, movable type, like the printing press. You know, and of course, I naively thought it was going to be a force for good, but in fact, it's turned into a I giant th- shopping mall with I also people. think there was a lot of um the portent thing was also had this weird thing at that time for us about um a weird sort of twisted politics to what we were doing. Mm. Um we are naturally lefty but it was but equally this the the, the success working within a corporate EMI type thing mm. um and w- <laughs> the advent of the internet we saw at the time as some sort of hope um and but at the same time we were just taking the piss out of all that those kind of ideas as much as we yeah. could and taking the piss out of consumption as much as we could you know anti-globalization was something that was the property of the left rather than the right mm. at the time. Um, there's some, there was something about the genetically modified thing that became, we wanted to use that as a joke, so it became about these genetic, genetically modified bears. Uh, so mm. it's like this innocent child creature which is not in fact innocent at all. And this all got sort of tied up, tied up, tied up, tied up into this odd narrative, which was, if you sort of step back from it, it was like an anger 
a certain type of movement, globalization and dislocation mm. of the people from the world around them. Um, and somehow we were being told, it's okay because we're all going to transform. We're all, there's going to be this moment where we all transform into some form of higher being that there was this idea that, that somehow technology was going to take us to this new and beautiful place. And me and him were just sitting there going, fuck <laughs> off! <laughs> it's all, the, all of those sorts well, of things, like, you know, Blair's third way, neoliberalism, the uh, opposition to sort of multinationals, uh, big pharmaceutical companies, and globalisation, which are now firmly being owned by the the rather rabid side of the right wing were, like Tom says, it's kind of, that was, they were all left-wing concerns. It seems really weird now how that, how that has happened and what has enabled that shift because it's, it's pretty fundamental as there's been some sort of fulcrum mm. where all of these concerns have just been taken away yeah, there from was, the left-wing. There wing. was Genoa. Yeah. There, there was, was um, uh, uh, Seattle. Yeah. There were loads of, of of demonstrations against against mm. against the the G seven the World Trade Organization, mm. all this stuff. And now now I'm thinking about it, going, oh my god! Mm. You know, in retrospect, it's kind of like, how could that have happened? But of course, it you know, it's a real concern still that you know power has been taken away from people and concentrated ever more in, in tinier and tinier corporations, corporations and groups yeah. of people. Mm. But this energy and ideas was going into the visuals at the time. So you yeah, look at the, like completely. Rob said in the intro, like this kind of time capsule. You look at them now, so it's a historical time capsule for the state of the world, but also the state of mind that you were in at that moment. But it's yeah, also still relevant to this day. Yeah. Like that's the interesting thing about it. Is even oh, no, no, I'm much better. Capsule, it's still no. kind of there are still elements though of like you know it's human nature, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just a difficult time in in lots of ways, kind of. Uh, what was around and what was inside it was not my favorite part of my life mm-hmm. so i think yeah, we're both having our own particular crisis about yeah how we related to the world yeah at your most kind of successful uh well yeah that's often the case mm-hmm. i think um, but and because we've just been looking back through it all and and it's you know because i guess when we started we we just went to go and talk to the vna which is quite grand in the first place mm. and then that all fell apart and and we've gone through a global pandemic which yeah. is you know it's a doesn't happen very often in, in us in a lifetime so we've ended up with something again completely not what we expected but the process to get there has been really illuminating looking at the work of this honestly it's not it's not us who did this stuff not us now mm. no. it's some other kind of young guys and I don't know what the hell was wrong with different energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, and these image, the, the imagery, um, as well as re-releasing the actual music itself with like unreleased songs and things, you've actually made these two books. One is with text and kind of words and drawings, and then one is more with the paintings. Yeah. But if, you, if we think about the actual, like the way it all looks, like you had kind of myth- mythological things like minotaurs or then like yeah. maps, monsters, pylons. <laughs> Dams, volcanoes, locusts. I'm reading this, obviously. Mountains. Uh, helicopters, Hir- Hiroshima, show homes, ring yeah. roads, lightning. Like, yeah. I love all these ideas. But when I read that out, it takes me back to when I first listened to that, those albums. And, yeah. you know, the, the visuals are so linked to that, that yes. time. I don't, I don't know where all those things, sort of where, how they came together. But well, me neither. It just sort of came up. Yeah. You brought the Minotaur thing. Mm. absolutely brought the minotaur thing I and mean, you brought most of it to be honest i mean me i was the the mountains and the geometric shapes because i just could see them all in the music yes. everywhere we look it's a visual musical thing yeah um and then the the, the minotaur one i found really interesting because i really struggled with it for a while i was like why is he why is he bringing it was that? this place it was this this city yeah and it was yeah it was all about internal landscapes um this this uh, th- to me what it's this idea of uh, a mind trapped in its own its own labyrinth labyrinth cannot escape going in round and round and round and round and round it's like that was exactly what was happening to us i mean we couldn't break out of this odd prison that we'd built ourselves yeah we had literally built it around ourselves yeah and i i was coming here to london and take I think I was drawing uh, with my eyes shut, drawing shapes on the A to Z, and then following that shape. That, that didn't that come from that came from the situationist thing, yeah, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. What's that mean? What's um, that in Gideborg's, uh, yeah, either in society, the spectacle, or or, or the other one, one of the other ones. I, can't I don't know. There was this whole thing that the, the situationists apparently one of the things they did would they would go for a stroll around Paris. Was it? Did they use a dice or did they just they, pick I it? think they, they would write a name, their name, on the map of Paris and then try to follow that as precisely as possible. Oh, the other one I read was just that you just walk and every time you got to a junction, you would they just walk blindly through Paris, not without any awareness of where you're going. And when you got to a junction, you choose. Yeah. And that's it. And you just do that as a Like a flipping a coin. To see where your mind... To see how it would free you up, or what? like a sliding doors sort of yeah, exercise I guess yeah. Or? But so I was trying to do sort of automatic writing, like yeah. you know, let something else talk. You know, you we were of... both doing that, yeah. And then on then... A to Z maps, oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't. But then <laughs> it was <laughs> on A to Z, and I was trying to, I was trying to sort of find out what I was trying to discover something. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, so I had this little video camera. I was making all these really, really, really boring films of. Of London, and so I had all these old guidebooks from nine, the beginning of the twentieth century. Yeah. So they were describing London that wasn't even there. So it was really weird, and um, I came across uh, Piranesi, the um, artist from whenever, whatever he was, like seventeenth century or something. Italian. 
Yeah, yeah. Giovanni Battista Piranesi. And he was most famous for doing these huge etchings of imaginary prisons, which, just looking across at St Pancras over there, that, that building wouldn't be out of place in those. So that, you know, they, these imaginary, imaginary prisons. Prisons, prisons yes. Mm. You know, they were called the Carceri, I think, in, in uh, Italian. I don't know. My Did prison. he have an experience of being incarcerated? No, 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 not at all. Was he was he was an architect. Oh, don't right, know, right, right. don't know. Exactly. I don't know why I was doing this. I don't know why he was doing it. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, it was just one of these strange I, I, Well, I, if, for me, the prison thing was quite clear now, when looking back, because the prison thing was basically I'd spent uh, a long time... I don't know if you know this. You probably experience this sometimes. You know, if you go on the promo trail, right? Mm. You got to plug something. Mm. After day three of talking in cursory language, sound like superficial, blah 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 interviews, you start to sort of internalize that a little bit. It's hard to resist, I, and I started to internalize that state of mind, that idea of like, so literally, so that. I'd go into my little tiny studio at home, I'd start work, and in the internal monologue would be there, um, like little speech bubbles, doing, uh, I'm doing this because I like to da-da-da. I'm already explaining it. You're commenting on your life. I'm commenting on my life. I'm judging every single creative decision I'm making. It's a lot. It's hectic. It's a lot. After many, many years of, of you know, the uh, my glorious record company, put me on the promo trail, I'd started to totally internalise it. And also, the success itself, I found really, uh, like, I'm not genetically built to internalise that in a good way, right? Mm. Um, and I re- it was odd, I remember um, I was working with Polly Harvey briefly um, around that time, and I said to her, I've really been struggling with this 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 work thing. It's like the more the more successful I've become, the more I just am pathological about working. I just can't stop. I just feel guilty. She said, Yeah, I have exactly the same problem. And I think that's a cultural thing from where we're from as well. And and anyway, so the prison was absolutely that. Okay. It's, it's metaphorical. Something, something you build yourself around yourself. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, because I was seeing, I was seeing it in its physical form, London as a massive labyrinth, mm. and then the, the fact that this mythology, that something, something like the, the the Minotaur in its labyrinth or maze, has been has just stuck around since the time of ancient Crete, and we, it still makes sense. And the monster that we're scared of. The monster is us. The monster is always ourselves. The prison is always of our own mm. own manufacture. But you're not aware of this at the time, obviously. This is like looking at it like pop you're psychology caught, afterwards. Caught up in but it. looking at the work now, you must pull it out and be like, like you're saying, you don't recognise this. But, no. that, but that, what you did at that time was channel these anxieties. Well, no, not consciously, but not yeah, consciously, it makes yeah. sort of like, I was like, right, okay. I, Imagine how unbearable if it was conscious. It would yeah, be, right. be yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. tosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it takes itself. It's effective then, isn't yeah. it? The best art yeah. comes out of that place, like the artists you're drawn to, like Edvard Munch, for yeah. example. Yeah, you work despite you. Bosch. It's yeah. like these come out of hell. Your work comes out despite you, not because of you. Yes. Right. Can we talk a bit about the materiality of some of the things you were doing? Because I heard you were like making paintings with knives. 
which yeah, is well, obviously quite frenzied in itself. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, knives knives come in many sorts. These are like pallet knives. You know, they're, yeah. they're flat, blunt, thin metal knives. But rather than brushes, it wasn't. I think this was a. I guess you know it's a reaction against the idea of art with its capital A. You know, being being a kind of rarefied. Uh, posh sort of thing, I suppose. So there's also quite make... an interesting element. Big work, yeah. There's the, this is the thing because maybe one thing we haven't talked about is like we we um, worked exclusively on computers, and then so, but but we discovered like we'd started like literally started by going, oh well, I'll just scan in some sketches and I'll try and collage together some photos, mm. and there you go. And yeah. then suddenly, like, well, hang on a minute. The most exciting bit about this is definitely not working on the computer. It's bringing in stuff from the real, real yeah. world into the computer and chopping it up and mashing it around. So the physicality of creating these enormous canvases and then reducing them down and manipulating them was super exciting. And one of the one of the one of my favourite things was these. We have these huge paintings that deliberately. A massive canvas, so you could you could wipe your whole sleeve over it. You can kick it. You can throw stuff at it, and it will stick. All of that, and then you're able to in those days, you know, photograph it with a with a film camera, and then you have a a print that's then you scan on a scanner. And uh, Nigel Godrich, who's the, who was producing the music, making them, making it all stick together, was um he was working on this early version of, of 3D software. So what we could do was get that a photograph of a real painting that exists in 3D, turn that into a bump map, black and white sort of... Terrain. Terrain. And then you sort of, like, float down the colour of it as if it's a kind of quilt over this over this landscape. And then... And then you could travel you get, through You it. get this artificial flying camera that flies through this terrain. So, so, and then you can take photos of that. Exactly. It's so mental. So... The sort of at the time, at the time, at the term, like, at the time, know. we weren't necessarily thinking about the paintings as final composition. No, right. we were thinking of them as source material. They're totally right? They're like gateways. Yeah, yeah. And what freaked me out when when we started using this 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 um, light wave, it, what, what it was, um, was like I've been having these weird visions. Um, uh, not a bad thing, actually, a good thing as something about healing but i've been having these visions of these fragmented landscapes and um of these mountains so the cover of of kid a mm. ended up by accident being really quite close to this vision that i had um and when we st- first started moving through these lands these landscapes there they were these fragmented landscapes exactly as i'd seen them and just being produced by this software it was super exciting to sort of see something before it actually happened. So but you would go from the analog into the digital, yeah. work on it, and then you'd put it back into the analog? Uh, no, no then not it really. Stayed. No, it stayed digital because, you know, at that, that time, the the CD was the paramount vehicle for music. It was everywhere. I guess it gets printed into the CD booklet, though. Yeah. So in a sense, that then becomes a material again, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, and that Whereas was it. That's what... It's all... In, you know, iTunes or Spotify. iTunes or Spotify or, or um, vinyl, back again, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. so you mentioned the modified bear earlier on, which is the spiky-toothed, yeah. unfriendly, friendly bear that on everybody's homework for many years was drawn <laughs> by school kids up and down the country. Where did that come from? Did that come from a place of wanting to find 
a logo or did it just appear uh, and then it became like... I was like, my kids were really tiny at the time and I was, you know, they they wake up at a basically illegal hour in the morning. It's disgusting <laughs> how early they wake up. It's really horrible. When you're just getting in, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. man, it's so bad. <laughs> so kind of get up and, and I, I sort of tell stories and... And I draw the little here's the thing from the story, and that was one of that's that's what happens. The idea was with that story was that when children are little, they have all these bears and they love them, all their toys. They love their toys, and they're all friends, and they talk to each other and everything like that. And then, and then they grow up, and they put all their toys in the attic, and they're downstairs talking about mortgages and double glazing and kind of investments. Yeah. And the toys get really angry, and they come down the stairs and they kill eat, all the grown ups. They eat the grown ups. So toys that kill was all the grown ups. Yeah. So that was the illustration of what happens to a bear if you kind of ignore it and, and talk about mortgages for too long. And did you show this? This you drew for your children at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. went, did you scare them at the time? No, no, no. They're they're fine. They're fine with that. But then, that, and, but then became like your image for so long, like a central kind Still of motif. Is, yeah, like yeah. a motif to you. It was just you know, I, I, I probably it was just some. It probably we, was just a t-shirt design or something. I, no, I well, I think what normally happens is we we. We don't see each other for a while, and we throw it, and then we sit down. This used to happen before computer. We used computers a lot. Mm. Um, we just throw each other our sketchbooks and just sit there for the afternoon, going, "I like this. What's this?" Oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Critique each other. Yeah, yeah. and, well, and, and just grabbing that, yeah. stuff. Um, and and that just really the this idea of this innocence, lost innocence, childhood mm. thing was like, "Well, wow, that's amazing," you know. And so it became really integrated into it all. Your, your opinion of the art world now, because you seem quite self-deprecating about your own work and you kind of separate oh, it from... I thought I, was, I thought I was got a bit better at that, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. <laughs> but how do you feel about, like, you're going to have this show at Christie's now and how do you feel about the actual art world? Do you go and visit museums and look at other artists' work like contemporary? Because you definitely reference yeah. historic history of art. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yes. But um, the... I I can't quite. It's doing my nutting to be honest. That we're we've got this work in, in a really fancy part of of uh, of a really fancy part of yeah, London. London. It's yeah. not just Mayfair. It's a really really posh bit of Mayfair. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, I'm. I don't know. I think I am, uh, kind of in a state of denial about that, at the moment. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It feels slightly like a Trojan horse or something to me. Yeah. And even the title, How to Disappear Completely, yeah. a, it's one yeah. of the best song titles ever written. But, but you know, if you think about our modern culture, I love the fact that it's outside of Christie's during Freeze Week, which is when I, no gallerist, no title. artist or anybody can hide. Um, yeah. But I love this idea of disappearing completely. It's yeah. like... I had to think of a title quickly. Like, think of a title quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about auction yeah. houses as well. Is it really democratic? It's the fact that people don't realise you can go into previews. Everybody this is, is welcomed. Yeah, yeah. Hey, these are artworks 15, that art that we didn't know this. museums don't have, and we didn't know. Yeah, they have yeah. this stuff that museums can't afford, and you can just walk in and look at it. Yeah. And also, and stuff it changes that's been every two weeks in people's homes Vault. for like fifty years, yeah. and then yeah. suddenly it you know yeah. unearthed again. Yeah, I know it's yeah. it's amazing, and I if I you know if I was if I was like an art tutor or something, that's one of the first things I'd t- say: go to London, all of those galleries. You can go into any of them. Mm. Any of them. Auction houses, any of them. Just walk in. Yeah. They can't stop you. It's fine. Go think, and look at it. I think the interesting thing about it is is because the work was for record sleeves, right? It's been quite a weird journey um, 
I, when we did talk to galleries or whatever, when you talked to galleries, it was, I, I kind of felt sorry for him because, for us in, in a way, because it's like, well, they're not, they're not going to judge this. They, well, they're going to only judge this under the cloud of the, the music. Mm. They're only going to see it yeah. like that. And normally an artist has a story. There's a development. There's a way it's happened, a narrative that's happened within the artistic community somehow or other. But this narrative happened in another area completely. So how are you going to judge it? Yeah. How are you going to evaluate it? Mm. How, I, 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 is it going to get any respect because it's basically done for a commercial enterprise, you know? But then again, what the hell difference is it? To, yeah, you know, what art is not commercial? What, mm. So much of the politics of galleries is reassuring the investor that what they're buying is going to be worth more because the artist is so-called up and coming mm. or represents this or this or that based on a myth or some story that they develop around that artist, you know. And that to me is like, well, why is that any better? Why is that any different? Mm. You know, anyway. Well, the myth of Stanley Donwood. There is one. There is one. Is there? Yeah. I don't know. I have to work it out. This um, this attention to detail, this, this kind of um, harmony between music and images and art is very rare, but it reminds me of another artist that we had on, uh, Michael Stipe from REM, yeah, who I know is a massive ah, influence to you. Yes. And it feels like you're, he, he came along and he's someone that you look to, but you, you've sort of taken his kind of baton and moved it on with your own narrative. But he's definitely someone that was meticulous with everything at every moment of REM, the, the designing, the drawing, the, yeah. the, the concert sets, the posters, everything. Yeah, that, the, and ephemera. And it shows, right? It totally shows. And even like he, he worked with like Howard Finster's, um, mm. you know, artwork as, as the sleeve. Yeah. I love that whole story we were mm -hmm, talking yeah. about recently. But he, he was a big influence and then you actually went and supported him, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we talked with him for, I mean, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, uh, but it was a, a very odd journey for me, you know, because... Um, from the age of 15, 16, I discovered Murmur, the first mm. proper uh, full-length album, and the cover, which which she explained to me later, was this kind of weed that they get outside, outside Athens, um, which just looked like another world. You know, he's a photographer, and he has this particular eye, which is still really, I find, really unusual. And we used to, when I was on tour with him, he always had his little contacts camera, um, always shooting, always taking photographs, still does, um, has as much a visual eye as a musical mm. ear. Mm. Um, but more even than that, it was his approach to every aspect, centrally lyrics, but every aspect of the way that they worked, uh, I just thought, like, it was a sort of liberation for me that there wasn't anybody else quite like that that I was listening to that was like coming from, not even from like art school, just from total outsider. You know, he, he Michael, that, that whole community of artists and so they're really outsider stuff. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we're all going to art school and like we got like a whole stick worked out. They were like, no, they were really out there, mm. really properly out there. I went to a couple of odd parties and stuff, you know. Um, and, uh, 
but it was strange for me because I was a teenager and then suddenly um, not that long after we were hanging out on tour and, and I was watching him every night and watching how they did stuff. Mm. And uh, that and my increasing obsession with like can um craft uh, kraut rock and 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 this this different way of looking at what you're creating it, it all sort of synthesized you know and um oh, sorry what was that can and what rock kraut rock you know kraut. the whole sort of that that school of music um in the 70s where they they were just totally coming from a different point of view um how about how they worked there's a really great um biography of can um which i can't remember the name of right now which um started reading it's bonkers uh -huh. um anyway um i'm getting off the point michael uh was uh like a license for me to be that person you know like there was two people when i was a teenager that sort of like i felt apart from maybe my teachers that gave me the freedom to to not to to be that person and one of them was him mm. Mm. and the other one was was Neil Young because I'd never heard Neil Young and Neil Young it's, I sent him like this demo tape to a magazine and they came back saying who's this guy this is amazing they gave me like lead review and said he sounds like Neil Young I'm like who the fuck's Neil Young <laughs> so uh, these two people arrive in in my life um, and I end up meeting them both and um, I ended up being a close friend of Michael's and. Uh, it informed a lot of, uh, not just me, you know, the rest of the band got to know R.E.M. And they were commercial, very successful, but their whole mentality about what they were doing was so backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. It was so inspiring mm. that it meant that um, we sort of would go back to our huge corporate entity, EMI, and say, well, R.E.M. can do it, so um, can we do it? You know, it was always that kind of argument. Mm. Um, anyway, I'm waffling. We'll probably cut all that well, out. No, no, we won't. No, <laughs> he, he gave you some advice, like you were saying, about when you were touring around and everything, like doing stuff for press, is that I'm not here, this isn't really happening. Which is where How to Disappear mm. came from, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I was going through a... Um, uh, after OK Computer, I was always basically catatonic. I mean, properly catatonic. I would stop mid mid song on stage, and I can't even tell you why, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I remember, <laughs> I remember doing a show in any the NEC in Birmingham, and after sound check, uh, I just walked off and tried to find the train out to try and get out of there. Was you here at this point? Are you witnessing all this? No, no, I don't go the on the tour in. So this so. I, by, by the time they're doing that, I've just I've totally had enough. Yeah. So it's but do you have each other's backs at these points as like companions throughout this whole journey together? No, mm, that was to an extent, but yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's a different life because we we work together in when doing the making, but um, the touring. I don't think I've ever I've come. On I remember you coming. I remember you coming. To, I remember you coming on the, to, to New York at the end of the tour. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I got very I high. Yeah. <laughs> I'd been smoking out for months. Jesus man. Christ, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. I knew I was worried because I hand, handed one to you and you were flat out on the floor I straight was, off. We went to that I've been mad doing that, club like, where that bloke was being oh, whipped God, by, a, yeah, God. by a... 
That might, yeah. that might have been Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not fair. Yeah. Wow. No, it was it was mental. I was just that was the first time I'd ever been on an aeroplane. Whoa. Yeah, and I went to New York City, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, got Different very lines. very high. Yeah. yeah. But how how did Michael's mantra manifest for you then? You were saying so you. Uh, it was a form of self protection, really. Um, uh, there was a few things he taught me. Uh, one was was like to be in, when you when you're in a situation you can't get out of it you just disengage you know um uh i ended up realizing that the, that you can only do that for so long it ends up being quite dangerous you've got to be careful but anyway at the time it helped and the other thing was he had this trick that he could make himself invisible yeah um i remember where, you doing that I, we used to do it in new york yeah. we, i know I, I remember i remember going to a club in stockholm and we're like okay let's do the invisible so we, we just went and nobody bothered us. We just decided, we told ourselves we're invisible and nobody bothered us, nobody said anything. Wow. We just, it was, he was really good at it. <laughs> he was really good at it. Because anyway, I remember Tom telling me about that. that make was... yourself visible. Yeah, oh God, yeah. He would, ju- he would do that, that just to show ones. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember when we, we did it in a bar together yeah. when we were about 27 or something and we were in New York and in he said to me, watch me now, I'm going to make the bar look at me and I was like, don't be ridiculous because I, I was saying to him no one was like finding me attractive uh-huh. and he was like, I'll show you how to get everyone to think you're attractive because he's obviously an actor mm. and he literally had the, he just changed his body posture, yeah. changed everything and then within a, a minute the whole Whoa. room was looking at him yeah. and suddenly everyone recognised him from some show That's he was right. on. And Whoa. But before that, no one had even recognised us. Mm-hmm. That was the night Khalees was performing a cappella yeah. live before it had even aired anywhere yeah. and I remember hearing that song and being like, this is like the new kind of disco hit, like yeah, as in like yeah, you know yeah. classic disco. Yeah. It was like the modern disco. I love that record a cappella. <laughs> such a good one. Like in a gay club, it was like the perfect venue. I think invisibility is very useful. I wish I could do that. It anyway, would be really good. Where were we? I'm lost. Properly, I'm yeah. totally lost. Let's <laughs> talk about one thing. So in your lifetime, there's mm. been a number of artists. You mentioned Polly Harvey and also people like Björk, who to me, like yourself, are kind of pioneers. I almost imagine you guys on a mountain somehow, like a metaphorical mountain, like yeah. hiking, you know, to the next new idea. Um, what's it been like to like collaborate with Björk? And also, do you are you ever aware of any of this kind of pioneering thing? Or is it just you guys, you know, living your life? I, I don't... I don't all right. Well, uh, there's a few one. There's a few there. Uh, I'll start with the, the Bjork and Polly thing. That was very much cursory, like um, just roll up and um, walk briefly into someone else's universe. And it's a very intimate sort of place. It's like I didn't feel that comfortable. I'm not very, uh, um, not really comfortable with it. But it was it was really fascinating to watch. And they both are great artists, and they worked in the in the way that I would expect. Mm. In you know took what they're doing extremely seriously which was great um uh in terms of being whatever innovator or whatever i think i would go back to the what literally the first thing we talked about Mm. is that i don't i don't if you if you sit down in a creative space and you say today i'm going to (laughs) innovate you you are naturally not going to be you're not going to do anything new or interesting uh so all you're trying to do is find something that speaks to you at that time and usually that involves trying to go somewhere new because that's where you need to go and but only new to you mm. because the, the 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 trap is 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 always comparing what you're doing 
to other other things. And that's when you get into this um the only way to sort of cope with that, I think we both had this, is that you have to sort of have to have like a kind of bluffer, sort of amateur stroke beginner's mind mentality to what you're doing. Because mm. if you start to if you start to act as an expert or professional get anywhere. Yeah, you, you turn you tend to die out pretty quick. Um yeah. because I mean, going back to the example of when we uh, took these paintings um, and and they were turned into, Nigel turned them into these terrains that we could explore. Mm. Like, if if someone who knew that software came in, they would literally laugh at us for what we were doing because technically it was by no means brilliant, but it spoke to us and it gave us something that then informed yeah. what we did. And we got, you know, what we the only way we could get save any of it was was literally press three buttons on the keyboard to get a screen grab yeah so literally with screen grabbing all you've got is, else. and you know it's, it's 72 dpi is very low resolution so yeah. if you're and then you print that as a you know an actual record cover it it looks like you blow it's pixelated it <laughs> and we've already blown it up as well but that was the, one of the things that we loved from from early video games was when you go around a corner you get close to it you, it just turns into Know, pixels the size of fists you know it's yeah. it's amazing so you kind of there's this weird thing it's almost like we were trying to create a world where the um the bones of it the skeleton of it were, were was still visible you could see what it's made of you know even if you if you make the pixels that big then even the ones over there that are really tiny you know they're you know how it's constructed i mean as an actor right you have to come to each different character from a completely open... You have to be open at the start to whatever yeah. you're going to find, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same... In, if you come to that with this kind of, I know what I'm doing, attitude, mm -hmm. you're blocking yourself before you start. Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to be prepared to make a shit ton of mistakes before mm -hmm. you find what you need. Mm -hmm. It's the same. It's the same thing. Mm. You have to be prepared to make those mistakes and you prepare, have to be prepared. For me, for example, you have to be prepared to buy a new piece of equipment, not understand it at all, yes. and mess around on it until something speaks to you and not be hung up about the fact you don't know what you're doing. Not, not give yourself a hard time. Because if you, <laughs> if you fall into that, you know, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I mean about this innovator idea. Yeah. It's like the joke is to innovate... You have to re retain this weird kind of innocence. Love that. Mm. And vulnerability, really. I just love yeah. the it's idea like, that we're, we're going to go into the studio and, and just say, what should we do today? Let's innovate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's an amazing quote here that you've said, Stanley. I, think, I don't know if it's relevant for both of you, but it says that you've, it's not a career, but a series of accidents. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. All right. That's Again, that's putting us down because we did have to make some choices along the way at some point. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. I don't know when I said that. or uh, In your self-deprecating moment. Did I? Yes. Yeah. Well, there have been some of those. But I, yeah, I think, I think it's quite... What, what I, I like is, is being able to just jettison everything mm. as we've done loads of times. And, and this happens, you know, because I'm sitting there listening to, to what, what's happening musically. And I'm not a musical person at all, but I can hear they're just kind of like, that's going in the bin. That's going in the bin. You can tell when you hear the record. Just, yeah, that's what happened to that thing. But, you know, 
you can hear that, you know, they're obviously talking about it. Shall we try it without that or shall we, you know? But it always, there's always like a kind of trace of the idea left behind. Right. So I think what something that happened to me when I was at Foundation Course, the years ago when I was like 19, we had, we had the first term of, of, of art, art school foundation course. And I was the yeah, first time you're not, not at school anymore. It's brilliant. And everyone's just making this stuff. And so everyone's kind you know, theoretically quite good at drawing because, you know, you've you got into art school. Yeah. So at the end of the first term, like the tutor said, OK, we're going to take everything out the back here and we're going to look at it all. We're going to make a... Uh, we made a big pile of everyone's artwork and then they set fire to it. No. It was amazing. Wow. It was the best thing ever. Kind of like some people were very, very upset, but yeah. it was just all of your work that you'd spent three months doing just poof. Mm-hmm. And they were like, right, okay. God, that's a, they wouldn't what, do that now. I know they wouldn't <laughs> they do that get now. Sued now. But, oh, yeah. but it, was, it was absolutely brilliant and I've oh, never yeah. forgotten it because it just makes, because it's, for one thing, it kind of sets you up for one it's of the release. Uh, hard drive failures. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it, it's a really, it's just a, a wonderful thing to have in your head that all of this stuff that you've made, you can just jettison it. Because if it's worth it, anything, you'll do it again and you'll probably do it better. Right. Yeah. And also, you know, when you go back retrospectively and you look at a bunch of stuff and, and you have to be honest with yourself and say, I have no recollection of how this happened. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like the process of doing it is kind of the point ultimately the, the pleasure comes from the process and once it's finished with the music you hand it over and you say goodbye and literally if you're like me you completely forget it you know i mean i forget how that happened mm-hmm. that's the magic of art isn't it? i love this idea of like spontaneity and subconscious mixed with like rigor kind of mental decisions do you know what i mean like the, mm. the, the contrasting sides of the mind almost yeah, I think, yes. I, I, I don't know how um, other artists kind of do this kind of thing. I don't know how other people relate to their work. I mean, because, again, <coughs> with, this is in the context of some <laughs> record sleeves, so it's always yeah. a bit different for us. Yeah, and I think that's that's been a deliberate sidestepping of it being art uh, in, a, in, a, in a gallery sense. Yeah. What are you going to do when you start being seen as... Well, you are seen as an artist, even well, if you don't, don't see yourself. Know, yeah. If you start having exhibitions now of these works, how are you going to well, factor that into your thinking? <laughs> I don't know. No, I've, I've been doing exhibitions for, yeah, for yeah, a while, yeah. you know, of, of, of various kinds and various places um, um, to various levels of, of success or failure. But it's kind of, it is something that I, it's like a necessary thing. It's like, it's like making music. A necessary thing is to take the music and then play it to people. Right. And that's the same with, with, with making pictures. The point of it is to ask people to look at it. But well, that, the, the fact that we work, so, you and me, but mostly you, work so much with the computers and with printing yeah. means you, you kind of had, you've been able to sidestep that yeah. for a while because you're not predominantly, you know... I mean, this, the thing with, with selling these paintings now, I haven't really seen them for... For twenty years, I've, they've they've been in a show, a museum show, but I haven't really seen them. They're too big to go in a normal house, <laughs> so yeah, I haven't like really two seen. Meters by two meters, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I was in the 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 exhibition space last Friday, looking at them and really looking at them, and they're playing Kid A and Amnesiac on on the. the oh, is that okay? Great. There. And it, I felt really weird. I felt really weird. I felt kind of almost. 
I don't know, not not tearful, but kind of like, I've got to go. Because it was too much. I was like, like 20 years has just been erased. And I'm back looking at these paintings. I can remember, I can look at Mark's song, I can remember doing it. It's kind of like that. That thing is there's time. Time is. We've, we've time been doing we've it. been doing that process for a while now. Yeah, we've been we've had our heads shoved in 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 ourselves twenty years ago. Yeah, t- <laughs> two decades ago. Like, and we've been very, working for two and a half strange. years or something. Yeah, and I'm, this is the last. This is the last week of it, pretty much. Yeah, is it going to be hard to let them go oh, now? No, then, I'm man, so I'm so just ready. going to lie and watch some daytime TV. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah. Before we get to our final questions, so someone is an early adopter of the internet, and it says here another quote: "Early ado- as an early adopter of the internet, now woefully out of date, old-fashioned, and ignorant of upcoming trends." Oh, yes, that's how. Me. How are you? Are you still embracing the computer? the internet uh, for making oh. art or are you back to analogue and print oh I, I just use it no like it's just a pencil you know it's a complicated pencil I, I don't think I've realised you know in retrospect that like Tom said earlier what we do is put stuff that's real in front of a computer you know either photographed it or scanned it or whatever but a, a lot of things that are made purely on a computer I, I, I don't get anything from it mm. which is odd because I love computer generated music I'm the same so yeah I'm the same with the music and the art it has to have that analogue quality before yeah, it becomes deeply d- frustrating otherwise I mean much as you know uh, I've sat there with the iPad and tried to do the old drawing on the iPad thing David like, Hockney oh, style oh, <laughs> I can't handle it man it's I know but I love David Hockney but, but the iPad stuff I'm kind of like ah just get some paint mate please get some paint because it would be wicked if you'd done it with paint it's but the same with music as well though. like doing stuff just totally on a laptop with all internal mm. sounds it's like oh it's such a turn off yeah. it has to physically there's something physical that has to happen somewhere mm. some, something in the human domain at some point I, I, d- I do really really like technology and I was genuinely massively excited by things like iPads and the internet mm. and computer graphics it was that you know remember the moment where they came and they told us about php yeah you know what php no. so php is where they they so they it's how web pages are coding now php and mysql and i don't know other stuff that i haven't kept up with we're secretly quite geeky like yeah. java like java like that sort of thing like. but so I, we used of... to be able to write web pages we were all of the early versions of radio.com we wrote with simple text you know yeah. or text edit or something it was pointy brackets programmed it IMG gap SRC equals something in in, in that's common. That's kind of kind of people we are. Um, anyway, when they came to us with the PHP, they said, hey, now you can find out where everybody's coming from and where they're going to go next and you can track them. So yeah. like, why the fuck would we want to do that? Well, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. And that's, yeah. and after that, the, the internet um, became the commercial uh, super mall it is now. I mean, surveillance yeah. capitalism is what yeah. it is. The new gold is is your activity. That's so, PHP. That's this thing that they, oh, we're just going to slip this into the coding now. Yeah. And yeah. there's yeah. Jaron Lanier. Jaron Lanier. I hate it when you turn the computer on and suddenly it brings up something you've looked at three days before on mm. some yeah. other website. And you're like, why is that there? I, I read a story that really filled me with fear. And it was uh, some, a guy who'd been on the run from the Chinese police. From the, and, and I don't know what you have to do in China to be in trouble with the police. Probably not a great, not a great deal. deal. Very much, yeah. So anyway, he's managed to escape the long Rich arm of the bit. Chinese law. And he, he's, he's been hiding out for nearly 20 years. 
living in, in a forest somewhere. And so an unmanned drone sees a bit of something blue that has come out of his secret camp and goes and investigates. He's, he's busted. Oh my God. And that's the internet. There is nowhere to hide. That's the internet. I mean, we've, we turn on our phones with our faces. Where's that data? Who's controlling that? <laughs> it terrifies me. And you had a good 20 years, though. we become though, two I mean... old men gang. Yeah, exactly. In my day, you in had to shoot people hope... with your own hands. <laughs> I, I, I've worked with a long time with um, the painter and musician Billy Childish. Uh-huh. And um, Billy was a great lesson, like meeting him whenever I met him. As a, I met him first when I was a student. But his whole thing of like all the... Um, the speakers that he has, you know, the vintage speakers, and he never uses anything digital when he does his concerts. And it's amazing when you actually oh, see one of his concerts huh. and how it sounds. It sounds so different. And yeah. it's like a completely different energy. Yeah. Like you feel different molecularly yeah. watching it in the audience. It's actually like fascinating. Yeah. Um, and the same with his paintings, like Edvard Munkfan as well. Like he, you know, references that, but he's made it, made it his own thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we ask every guest two questions but ah. quickly at the end. Um, the first one is if you could do an art heist and take any artwork from around the world or building, if you didn't <laughs> want to pick an artwork, what would you choose and, and, and why? And we can help you steal it. Yeah, we've got trucks could be and anything cranes. It and... means a lot to you. Oh, it would be something Anselm Kiefer's. Really? Yeah. A huge one with bits hanging off and stuff. Uh, yeah, like enormous. Do you, I'd, tell I'd you build... what, I'll, I'll go with you. Let, can we have his whole place here? Yeah, we'll take that, that whole place. place in France. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. about this. What? Tell us about oh, this. He's got Mental. a whole place. Have you well, heard about well, listeners might incredible. Know. He does know his place. Yeah. Yeah, we take the whole place and we'd, where would we? Move it to somewhere nice. Oxfordshire. Oxford. Well, I guess France is nice. Maybe we just move there. We just move there, yeah. yeah. Would you move and to Essex, where you're from? Really no. Heist. We, we, just, we, just, we just escort <laughs> right. him from the premises and demand that we live there instead. Yeah. Or... You might need to keep him around, actually. Maybe he's he could show around. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he could stay there. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, no. It's Yeah, actually, no, I don't want to steal any art. No. Do you we'll collect just visit art? it. We'll just visit it. Do you, li- do, you live with, do you live with each other's art? Uh, well, yeah, I've got some Radiohead records, it must be said. Right. So, you know... Uh, but your think, own art? Do you have your own stuff up? I have, yeah, yeah. Um, I've finally got a flat big enough for one of my massive paintings. Oh, so, great. Nice. Only one, though. So Which one know. is it? Do we know? It's, uh... It's from uh, it's Moon, cool. Moonshaped Pool. It's from it? the Moonshaped Pool ones. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's a big one. I can't remember what it's called. Diffy ones. They've all got weird names. Do you collect and live with art? I'm... Just thinking now in my early, still, 50s that probably I should start putting things on the wall. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's all in storage. You do have stuff over storage. I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't done it. I'm, but um, I'm going to start doing it. Maybe he's got a, cu- he's got a couple mind. of my massive paintings, but no, walls aren't big yeah. enough. No, that's right. Um, he's saving them till I'm dead. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, no, don't ask me. I'm terrible. Really. <laughs> The other question we ask is, what is your favourite colour? Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, it's basic. But it is interesting sometimes. Oh, blue. Yeah, blue. Yeah. blue. It's the same blue. Blue. Yeah, it's, it's really annoying. Like an, like an ice blue, like a mountain ice blue. Prussian blue, right? Prussian. Prussian blue, I quite yeah, like. Prussian blue. blue. You know, like a new pair of jeans blue. Ooh. Really? Yeah, yeah. Denim, like oh, a nice that. indigo denim. Yeah, yeah. You hate that. <laughs> hate that. It's not the same blue. Last then. time I put, wore a pair of blue jeans, I, I went in the ocean. I did literally what turned the label, and I went in the ocean, swam around, and then rolled around in the sand, and then went back in the ocean to try and get rid of it. No, I like all sorts of blue. I like cyan blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does like blue. I do. Cyan I really blue. do. We, we, I really do. We it doesn't, it doesn't suit cyan. me. It doesn't suit me at all, but I don't uh, understand the cyan thing. What, so you yeah. guys actually discuss colours? Like, yeah. That's great. Normally, yeah. 
normally nowadays it's like this one's going to be orange. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is the uh, what is the best advice you have ever received when it comes to art and music that you can impart? Uh, burn all your work. Burn all your work. <laughs> that was like I was saying about that thing. I think that was probably that that was mo- the, my sort of formative thing that will stay with me forever. It's just like if you burn all your work, it doesn't matter. It's just art. <laughs> mine would be mine would be like you know stay an amateur, stay stay with beginner's mind. Don't get hung up on being clever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. Mm. Love that. You, oh, you, you got kicked out of Exeter Art School, but no. you do credit art education preparing you creatively for no, later no, I didn't work. Get, no, I actually finished my degree. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I finished, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we both oh, finished. We both, we both finished. finished. With roughly the same mark, but yeah. he was clearly better at it. <laughs> no, well, you know, that was... Tom was giving out uh, A4 computer-aided I was drawing. on the edge almost falling off of what would you be considered, like, art, really, oh. at that point. Mine was massive screen prints of cops beating people up at the poll tax. That's right. right. Oh, wow. Which was my... uh, Just because there's a lot of David Wojnarowicz in your work as well. When you're talking about drawing on the maps, he took a lot of kind of like New York subway maps and Manhattan maps and would do screen prints over the top. Yeah, um, but more... uh, What's his name? (laughs) uh, Rauschenberg. Rauschenberg, 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 because he'd made it all out of square canvases. Yeah. They were all square. Blue eye heads. Loads of them stuck together. Blue eye heads. What year was this? Early 90s? Just at the beginning of Kid A and I'm using Yeah, 90s. I guess 98. Oh, right. I don't know. Wow. Have you met him? No. no. Have you met any famous artists? No. I once, want, so. once went to Rauschenberg's place before he died, but he was very ill and I heard him rumbling around upstairs. But really? Didn't get there. Oh. Yeah. I almost felt like you were going to say you were going to write a song called Rauschenberg because the way you repeated it, it actually yeah. sounds really good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, both of you. This has been the most amazing privilege yeah. to hear about well, you. Well, it's very I actually nice wasn't to talk aware to you the, about all this stuff. I was really nervous about you know, it. Between it all. And chill. they are so linked, the visuals and the music and, and all of it. It's just an amazing I mean, story. honestly, in my head, yeah, it always has been. Uh, it's, I, I think music and art, when, when music is working, it is visual. It always has been for me. Yeah, and it makes life a lot easier for me if there's music to draw to. Yeah, likewise though. But if once we've produced, sorry, I'll shut up. Once we've no. produced these images, when when the images start appearing and we're still working on the music, it's so exciting. It's mm. absolutely the most exciting moment because there's a this this link that you know. It's the same when we do videos and all sorts of things. That was good with uh, in rainbows. I think that was the first time we were able to have. All of the work we were working on as screensavers on all of the monitors oh, in the wow. whole recording studio. So they'd all be going, you know, when they weren't being used, they were going through this cycle. That's right. We still so everyone in the band could go, oh, I like that one. I know. And we get, yeah. we get sort That's of an idea of like, crowdsourcing. Ah. Sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. And you'd refer to like a rough track as a sketch anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, but the, way I, the way I do music is so... Um, I'm so not doing verse choruses anymore. <laughs> so that it's like, it's 
the only way I can describe it because I'm not, I can't read music. So the way I work with my laptop is the way I'd work if I was standing in front of a blank canvas. I mean, mm. like I start making marks. Some of them are going to work. Some of them are not. Some uh. of them I'm going to get rid of. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to loop this bit. I'm going to, you know, it's the same for me. It's the same, same thing. Amazing. Thanks, guys. It's all right. It's been fantastic. The exhibition at Christie's is on until the 15th of October, and hopefully we're going to get this out um, in time for people to actually visit it. And then if you don't get to see the actual physical exhibition, there's obviously a different kind of physical, but it's going to be a digital exhibition. um, Metaphysical. Metaphysical (laughs) exhibition. Yes, good one. um, is like a expansion of all of these um, worlds and it's really exciting from the clips that I've seen earlier um, through PlayStation and also it'll be available on Mac and PC which is very inclusive. For free? And also there are two books coming out one with um, drawings and writing and then one with all the paintings and lots of different narratives and stories um, as well as the music which I'm sure everybody listening is already aware of Um, but Kid A Amnesiac is the title of the whole kind of project. Thank you so much for listening everyone and are you on Instagram? Yeah, I know you are actually. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, of course I am. Yeah, uh, Stanley Donwood. Yeah, I think yes. Okay, and you're you're yes, there as well, but you haven't updated it for yeah. a while. I think. Like, yeah, yeah, a bit busy. <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Fair enough. And uh, you can find images of everything we've talked about at our Instagram at TalkArt. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. We'll back very soon. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com